Welcome to the Rise Higher Podcast with your host, Amos, the Praying Man. Get ready to be uplifted and motivated as we journey together on a path of faith-driven inspiration. In this program, we focus on the power of faith and its transformative impact on our lives through meaningful discussions, personal anecdotes, and reflections on belief, we aim to help you discover the strength within you to overcome challenges and achieve your dreams through the power of faith and prayer. Join us on the Rise Higher Podcast, where your faith becomes the driving force to elevate our lives and create a positive impact on the world. Together, we can rise higher in faith and inspire others to do the same. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Rise Higher Podcast with Amos, the Praying Man. Thank you so much for being here. I want to say thank you for all the support, first and foremost, that we have on YouTube. Little by little, we're growing bigger. And I want to say thank you to all the individuals that make this show possible and all the people out there in the world that have helped us make this show possible. You see, in the last couple of weeks, some of the equipment broke down and we were in dire need of microphones and some technical equipment that we need. And we met a couple of people in Goodwill in Arizona that helped us and specifically one person I think his name was Evan in Goodwill in Arizona in Chandler and he helped us tremendously with getting some equipment and to him I want to say thank you because as a very small podcast we don't have the means to compete with the big boys right so every single help counts and Goodwill was amazing to us so thank you so much and we give you this shout out and uh, we expect you to send us an email one day with your music he's a music producer and hopefully we can showcast it in the show so thank you so much Evan and thank you to Goodwill for providing uh, the equipment that we need uh, even though it's used it's working tremendously well so we're very thankful of that there's still good people out there and we want to celebrate them we want to make sure that they get a shout out um, if you want to get in contact with the show and share us your story, remember to always send an email to the Rise Higher Media LLC at gmail.com so you can share your story, so you can share verses of the Bible that you want the podcast to discuss or stories. Share your story with us and hopefully it can be a showcase in the podcast and we can talk about it. We can all learn from each other. And in talking about each other, the main thing that I want to make sure that we understand about the Rise Higher podcast is that it's an all-inclusive program, meaning that we don't care if you're rich or poor, what uh, gender or sexuality you are, what political view you have. It doesn't matter as long as you want to have faith and as long as you want to have love in your life. So this podcast is made for everybody, for all flavors and, and angles and degrees of life. I want to say I love you, everybody. And in these times of uh, war and trial and tribulation, I truly, truly think that whatever we put out there, especially when it comes to putting light and to putting love and faith and motivation, comes a long way. And I know we all get distracted by uh, media, we all get distracted about all this news and all these things that are just there to keep us sedated. I want to say thank you for you being here because here we discuss things that are going to make us better because we're going to be motivated to be a good person tomorrow, be a good father, be a good mother, be a, a good person overall, a good friend to everybody. And most of all, I want to celebrate everybody who puts a smile on somebody else's face. I want to say thank you to all of you. Thank you for being a spirit of light. 
Thank you for giving us your love and your support. And we're going to start the program by talking about commitment. The idea of commitment, especially uh, spiritual commitment, is an idea in which has very, very a lot of sides to it. It has a lot of meaning because without commitment, you cannot show or have faith. Commitment means that you're going to do things and live your life in such a way, continuous way, that is going to truly have a good impact in your relationship with God. You see, the way commitment is defined in the dictionary, as we look here on the internet, <laughs> it says, the state of quality of being dedicated to a cause, activity, etc. An engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. Now, I've been told several, several times about, oh, you have free will, you can do whatever you want as long as before you die, you pray real hard and you're going to be saved. But we have to understand that for us to be saved, we have to commit our life or most of our life, as much of our life as we can to God. Commitment has its rewards in, in themselves and one of them is being saved. Before we get into the whole discussion of commitments, and I have actually a, a very good uh, stories from the Bible, stories from Luke actually, and even John 18th and Daniel 6, I want to make the prayer and I want to make sure that everybody here is in the right frequency and that we are connecting ourselves to God and to a higher frequency so we can understand the words that we're going to discuss in this program. So if you're driving and listening to this program, I just want you to open your heart, keep your eyes on the road. If you are in a position or a place in which you can just close your eyes for a second, I invite you to pray with me with these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. How wonderful are those words. That is the commitment that we need to have in our lives. Praying. When we want to think about commitment, our commitment to God and God's commitment to you, the very first step is committing yourself to praying every single day. When I'm talking about commitment through prayer, I'm talking about setting yourself a time in your day or a long period of time in which you're going to restrict or sacrifice some of your individual things that you need to do or responsibilities with prayer. You see, a lot of people want to say, yeah, I'm committed to God, I want God to be committed to me, but they cannot even commit, commit some time to spend with Him. It's very easy. For example, some of the, you know, from a personal example, right? When there was Lent, I prayed for close to an hour every single day for 40 days in a row. And uh, just right now, we pray the St. Michael's Novena, which is nine days of prayer. Again, I prayed for nine days. I did the St. Michael's Novena from top to bottom. So it's not just, I'm going to pray for an hour and that's it. It's trying to find a connection with our Father above 
and to all that is light through those times, through that hour of prayer. It's not just saying the Holy Father, it's not just saying the Novena prayer, it's actually trying to find and tune in into that frequency. A prayer is not just about asking for stuff. It's not just asking God, hey, I want more health, I want a better house, I want a better job, I want that person, get rid of that person. Like, God is just there to serve your purposes and what you want in life. A prayer is there to find a time to talk to God. God is like a friend, a very special friend, right? I think we all understand that. It's a very special friend that wants to hear you and wants to know about you and he loves you in just the right amount of love that you want. And if we understand him as a friend, would you want a friend that the only thing that they do is ask for stuff? The only thing that you do is tell them about your tribulations? Would you want a friend like that? A friend that only comes to your house and says, hey, feed me. Hey, listen to me. I'm not listening to you. And he tells you all your pro all, all their problems and he doesn't even ask you how you are doing. He doesn't ask you, what can I do for you? We find ourselves praying and being that friend that just asks and asks and asks and don't ever listen. And I think that's the biggest problem with people that are trying to, that become discouraged with the idea of having a commitment to a more spiritual life. When we talk about commitment in God, we understand, as the definition of commitment says, it's an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. It means that we're going to be dedicated to something that is going to require time, and therefore we cannot do other things. But people don't even have the time to pray, to find that moment throughout the day to even say thank you to even say thank you for my family, thank you for the people that I have in my life, thank you for the things that you're giving me. I want to say thank you for keeping me protected. But the only thing we do is ask, 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 ask for stuff without giving nothing back. And that's one of the things that we struggle the most as human beings in our position with God is what should we pray about? Should we just say thank you for everything or should we ask about everything? What kind of child do you want to be with God. And very few are going to tell you, you also have to be responsible. If you want a lot in your life, for example, richness and all that stuff, you also have to have a lot of restriction. For example, if you have a lot of money, you're going to have a lot of temptation because you can buy everything and everybody. You can buy people. You can buy things. You can buy time. You can buy everything. So you have to show a lot of restriction not to fall into temptation. When you're poor and you don't have anything, you don't have it easy either. It's not that the material things are going to make it better or worse. It's like the poor man also has to have a lot of restriction. For example, when you're poor, you have to show even more restriction on your lifestyle. You have to become simple. You have to let go of all the people that are not there to help you or to love you the way you need to be loved, to support you the way you need to be supported. You'll find out that even when you don't have anything, a lot of people just walk away of your life. I'll give you another example for case in point. When you talk about God, once you find yourself in this journey of faith, you, it's going to become a need to talk about God. And it's understandable because you're happy to be saved. You're happy to be walking in light. And you will find a lot of people that like to be in darkness and they like to be naive. And you're going to find others that are even darker. And they're going to pull you apart 
and try to break you down and ridicule you and, and talk about your ideas of God. And they're going to tell you, oh, you're being crazy. And they laugh at you and they make others laugh at you. And yet you still have to show commitment through thick and thin. Because at the end of the day, it really is a very individual relationship with God. It becomes what you are as a person, not what your family is and what you have done and all that stuff. At the end of the day, it's you. What is your position with God? What is your position with your Father above? What have you done to pay it forward, all the blessings that you have had in your life? And if you, for example, are poor and don't have anything, what have you done to be happy? Is it you that you're keeping yourself down or is it really a lesson of God? Case in point, the story of Job that we were discussing in the previous episode. Job was given everything and it was easy for him to teach others or his concept of teaching others how to be strong and, you know, being a, a good boss and a good father. When everything was taken away, he wasn't, he never cursed God, of course, but he was complaining even about his life. He's like, I do not understand why this was taken away from me. I don't understand if you were going to do this or give me this kind of suffering, why was I even brought to life? And we all find ourselves in those situations, especially when we have everything, when we have a little bit of heaven, a little bit of comfort, and it's taken away, and all of a sudden we're like, whoa, 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 what, what happened? Why me? For example, somebody like who is, you know, a big boss and has a lot of uh, power, and all of a sudden the company, the economy goes bad and he's bankrupt now and he loses everything. He's trying to figure out what to do next, right? And he feels that a million dollars is not enough to restart. Just as the poor man gets $20 and he's like, what am I going to do with this? So it's very parallel what we can do with commitment. When we don't commit ourselves to the idea of faith and living in faith in God, we cannot find the answers of how to get up again from life and how to truly, truly appreciate what we have. You see, commitment is key to be fulfilled, especially when you don't know what to do, when you've been brought down, when everything has been taken away, when you're committed and you're relentless to the idea of being a child of God, you're able to power through those events and those moments in your life in which you're alone or you feel alone, and you're able to find love and the energy necessary to get up again. So when we talk about prayer, what do we need to say in our prayers? Do you want, again, in the example of if you go to God's house, right? God's, God is your friend. You go to his house. He gives you food and gives you comfort, gives you a nice hot cup of coffee. What are you going to do? Do you just talk about your problems? Do you only talk about what you want and your dreams and your trials and tribulations? Or do you ask your friend, how do you feel? How are you? How have you been? Do you need anything? So you can reciprocate the love, right? God doesn't need your love. He has all the love in the world. But you want to express to Him your love as a way to be polite, to be thankful for what He gives you. You don't have to say thank you to God. You have to say, God, what can I do for you, man? You have given me all these things. You have me here living in this world. What can I do for you? How can I be committed to you and to this relationship we have? It has to go both ways. You want God to be committed to you? Be committed to God. And when you find yourself talking about commitment, you find yourself talking about the idea of God, of God's love, we understand that we also have to pay it forward. For example, to show commitment to God, first and foremost, you cannot feel embarrassed about loving God. 
You cannot feel embarrassed about your relationship with Him. You have to be open about it. You have to lead by example. You have to pay it forward because if you have a good understanding of what love is and what God is, then you have to teach others how to love the same. And you don't have to tell them, you have to show them. You see, we, we make the mistake quite a bit, especially uh, people that are preaching out there, to just tell people what to do. Just tell people what they should be and what they should do. But we very, very seldomly show them what they have to do. This is the biggest problem with a lot of religions. This is the biggest problem with a lot of congregations. We like to talk about it, we don't like to be about it. And I'm not gonna mention specific religions or anything, I think we all do it. No matter if you're a Buddhist, Catholic or Christian, we all do it. But we have to show our commitment. One of the first, again, like I was saying before, one of the first thing we have to commit ourselves is to prayer. The 40 days of prayer that I did were specifically to find my position with God. I went from asking Him for things to saying thank you all the time and then at the end it was like okay I have said thanks for everything and everybody so what is after that so the next and that was maybe probably in the first in the first 15 days of the commitment of, of the 40 days of prayer and then I asked myself what else can I pray about and that gave me the idea what is my position with God what commitment do I have with him how can I pay it forward and I finally understood that God wants me to be proud of my love for Him. He wants me to pay it forward. He wants me to explain. He wants me to lead by example. He wants me to be a little better every single day. He wants me to not fall for the same type of mistakes that I felt before. He wants me to be happy. But above all, He wants my commitment to Him. And if you really truly think about it, when we find ourselves in God's house, right? There's only so many things that you can talk about before becoming redundant. And when you become redundant, you lose track of what truly, truly you need to talk to Him about. When we do these prayers, and we only do these prayers the same way, asking for the same things, saying thank you for the other same things, we're not really truly investing ourselves in the relationship with God. We're not really truly committed to that. We have to find a way to transcend, to understand where we are in this relationship that we have with Him and to be best friends, to be able to be of service to Him. And I cannot give you the answer. That answer will come through you restricting yourself and all the things that you want to do and set aside a time for you to pray. And that is going to give you the answers that you want. Again, if I didn't do those 40 days of, of, of prayer, I wouldn't have had the vision to say, do the Rise Higher podcast, you need to share this with the world. And yes, we are small now. Yes, I'm not have a million followers, but whatever God and whatever followers come wants to give me, I am going to try to pour my heart out and to give you guys my best every single time. No matter how I feel, no matter if I feel angry or sad or depressed or anything like that, because things happen to me too. And I have to reevaluate myself and I have to re-understand love and re-understand my position with God. And, and I keep getting myself back up again and again and again. I'm just like you and you are just like me. We are, we all struggle with this, but I'm committed to the idea of living in faith. I'm committed to the idea to get this podcast to as many listeners as I can 
organically because I don't even have money to pay for advertising. <laughs> so that's why we're thankful for people that help the podcast, you know, because I know God sends that help without me even asking for this. We talk about commitment. We talk about becoming simple. We talk about if you're rich, you have your own set of restrictions that you need to avoid. If you're poor, you have your own set of restrictions that you need to avoid. And that comes with you praying and finding yourself. And nobody else is going to give you the answer. I wish I had it. I'm still trying to find the answers myself. But it will come to you. And little by little, you will understand more and more and more of what God wants from you specifically, your mission. I call them sacred hearts. Everybody is given a sacred heart. It must, it's my belief that everybody is given a sacred heart when they are going to be born. And each sacred heart is like a mission that you have in your life. It's your purpose of life. And the only way to get to that sacred heart is by developing a good understanding of what God wants from you. And the only way to understand what God wants from you is to connect yourself to God more frequently and more committed. And this is prayer. That's why it's so important. And praying the right way is so important. And connecting the right way is so important. Because you want to be able to be seen by God. And the only way we can do that is by showing our love to Him, our commitment to Him. So that way we're not distracted by everything else and everybody else that criticizes you. In the last three weeks, I did the Novena of St. Michael, and it was amazing. I posted the prayer on YouTube in the hopes that everybody was going to listen to it. And we had some very good views and some very good comments. But I invite you, a novena or the 40 days of prayer during Lent don't have to be during those times. You can show your commitment to God anytime. You can close your eyes right now, stop listening to me, pray and tell God, hey, I'm going to pray so many days for you. And the way to do that is, again, on the first couple of days, you're going to ask for a lot. On the next couple of days, you're going to say thank you for a lot. And then you have to allot a set of days for you to truly, truly talk to Him as your best friend, as your guide. So that way you can find yourself a little bit closer to Him and understand your position with Him. So again, allow yourself a couple of days of prayer for asking everything you want to ask, ask. And then a couple of days for you to say thank you. And then a couple of days after that to truly speak with Him. Because you will see, you will run out of things of, to ask. You will run out of things to say thank you. But leave the other times to really, really talk with Him and have a conversation with Him. And let yourself be guided and let yourself be touched by His light. And if you need forgiveness, He'll forgive you. And if you need love, He'll give you love. Whatever you need, He'll give it to you. Eventually, if you need it, if it's truly going to make you a better person. Sometimes we don't understand why things aren't taken away from us. Why people walk away from our lives. Even myself, I, I understand. I try to understand why some people that I have been so good at walk away from me. And they don't talk to me again. I had a friend who I gave the link of the podcast. He heard it. And never talk to me again. And this was a friend of 15, 20 years. So this brings me to the next point. Jesus, in one of his events, many stories that he had, he makes this a, a good point. He creates a good point when it comes to what are you willing to trade? Because commitment is not just restriction, but it's also what are you willing to trade for? Right? What are you willing to trade for in order to be committed to God? And he talks about his disciples in Luke 14th. 
he talks about this. And I want to spend the, the, the next half of the podcast on the stories that Jesus talks about during these events. Because I, I truly think that it conveys the idea of commitment and restriction beautifully. And he says, look 14 again, if you want to read the story, read it on the Bible. Or just simply listen to this one I'm going to say. <laughs> it says, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of the prominent Pharisee, Pharisee was like a big boss of the land like a mayor, for example. He was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from an abnormal swelling in his body. And Jesus asked the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, they were experts in the law, and he said to them, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So, taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place, then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So he's talking about humility, first and foremost. He's saying, when he's trying to heal the person, when he's talking about the Sabbath, he's trying to tell them that your commitment to God is 24-7. It has to be every single day. The commitment to living in faith has to be every single day. There's no special day in which you are good and this and that. You have to be good every day. You have to try to be good every day. It's the commitment to a good life. It's the commitment to love. It's the commitment to growth spiritually. Humans cannot try to humanize God's commitment to you and say that God is only committed to you on this day or not this day. And I'm only going to trade this one day for him. It needs to be you want God to be in your life every day. Guess what? You need to commit yourself to God every single day. And you reinforce the commitment through your prayer. That's your vocal commitment to him. And then through your actions, you show your commitment to him. So that's why he's he said to this, I'm going to heal this person even if it's a Sabbath, right? I don't care. My relationship with God is 24-7, right? And he continues talking about humility through the story he's saying, through his actions, right? He healed that man, he said, God needs to be there 24-7. And then he says, in order to be celebrated in heaven, make sure that you're humble. And by being humble is become a simple man. Get rid of your pride. Get rid of everything to make you think that you're better than everybody else. Become humble. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a lunch or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or your sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Even though they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrections of the righteous. So what he was saying is, don't do anything, and, and look at this concept, don't do anything to get something back in return. If you do something, do it for the ones that need it, not for the ones that have it all the time because they will not appreciate it the same. So how does that apply to your life? Are you pouring your love and your energy to things that don't appreciate or persons that don't appreciate your love? 
Are you giving your love to people that truly need your love? You see, when you give your love to persons that already have love and they might, you know, they might give you love back, but they're not truly going to appreciate it because they already have it. And matter of fact, most of them are going to use you because the relationship is not the same. But if you commit yourself to the idea of being a good person and paying it forward, whenever you can try to help people that need it the most because they will appreciate it the most. And yes, they will not be able to repay you, but you are going to help them. In few simple words, don't help the ones that don't need help, help the ones that need help. Because that is going to make you a better person and it's going to make you closer to the shape and what God wants from you. So you commit yourself by your actions, you commit yourself by being humble and you commit yourself every day to this lifestyle. And it's hard to do, it's not easy. And that's okay. You have your whole life to achieve that, but you have to be better and better every single day. And then he continues and says, When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At that time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everybody is now and ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And another one said, I just bought five oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another one said, I just got married so I can't come. Sorry. And then the servant came back and reported this to this master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you order has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So that explains what this whole idea of being or having relationships with people that don't need you, that don't want you, that don't want to be committed to you. If somebody doesn't want to be committed to you, whether it's a friend or a person that you love, then go and find your family, go and find your people, go and find your tribe, people that are going to be appreciative of your efforts. Because those people need help. Those people will appreciate everything that you do. And that is a very hard lesson to understand because it can happen to our own families, even our, our, our partners. Find people that will appreciate you. Don't waste your time with people that don't get you, that don't want to be committed to you, that don't need to be committed to you. And then large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. When you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. When he first sat down and considered whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000, if he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask them for peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, everything you have, cannot be my disciples. 
And then he continued, Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit for neither the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. He's talking about the trade-off, which, for example, my friend, the trade-off of me being committed to the podcast, to talking about faith in God and prayer and all that stuff, is that the perception of many people around me was going to change. And many of them were going to walk away from me because they just don't want to hear me. They're, they don't want to hear about faith. They don't accept my, this lifestyle of mine. And they might even make jokes about it. They will ask me to deny my God. When they cannot break me, when they cannot make me falter, what do they do? They walk away, never to be heard of ever again. And that's the trade-off. It's hard and you will feel bad and you will think, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to walk away from this marriage. I don't want to walk away from this person that abused me. I don't want to destroy my family. But sometimes when you are living in faith and you have so much love to give, you have to go with your tribe. You have to go with people that are going to appreciate who you are in its entirety, not partially, in your entirety. They're going to appreciate who you are. And little by little, you will walk away from the people that don't want to commit, be committed to you. So when you commit yourself to God and to this lifestyle, you will trade off things that you love, but things that you love that are not good for you. And there's a very fine difference between love and codependency. This was a very good friend, and I don't know if he's ever going to come back. But instead of me saying, you know what, I'm going to stop talking about God. I'm going to just, you know, hide my commitment to God. I'm not going to be proud. And I'm just, you know, because I really want him in my life. Then he's also denying God. And this can happen with family too. Family will make fun of you. People that you thought would never insult you, they will insult you. And that is just the way it goes. And those people you don't need. The way Jesus was talking in that parable was, hey, if you're not ready to be hated by everybody, if you're not hated to carry your own cross, meaning to recognize the things that you need to do, your responsibilities, if you're not able to carry your own weight and your past and all the things that you have done, whether they're good or bad, I don't need you. If you're not willing to, as he said here, to invest in this idea, I don't need you. When he's talking about laying the foundation and not being able to finish it, he's saying, I don't want you to just be committed for a couple of days to this idea of faith because God is committed to you every single day of your life. If you're not able to be committed to me in this idea of teaching the world about the word of God, then I don't need you. That's what he's telling people. So who among your tribe is criticizing you? Who among your family and the people that you love and your friends are telling you that talking about God is boring or they get scared. Don't let them feel that you're no good or that what you're doing is a joke. Talking about commitment and faith is ensuring that you have a relationship with God and that's all that matters. If none of the world believes you, let them be. You need to believe that what you're doing is right. You need to be able to understand that everybody needs love. You need to be able to have a higher understanding of love and be able to accept all and everybody, every single flavor that comes in the world. But if they don't want to understand you, walk away. You don't need them. The only person that truly, truly needs to understand you is our Father above. Because that way, you're going to be committed to His idea and you're going to be able to be strong when everybody else denies their company. You will never feel alone again. And if you ever do, guess what? You have the commitment of prayer and you can rekindle your relationship with God and be like, hey, you know what? I kind of forget about this a little bit. Now I feel better. 
Now I know I can take this. Now I know I can do this. And that's the motivation that we want to talk here in the podcast. Motivation through prayer. Motivation through faith. And motivation through love. And then he continues. He says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers are of the law murdered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now be careful here understanding this example when he says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, meaning the sinner acknowledges they did wrong. By acknowledging they did wrong, they accept fault and therefore they are humble and they await their just punishment if they're sinning. And even in that, they feel joyful in being accepted by and loved by God, right? So that's why there will be more rejoicing, that's what he's saying. Then he says, then over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent, meaning that they're too proud to accept fault for everything that they have done. It's not that they have no sin, it's just that they are too proud to say I did anything wrong. So be careful how you interpret that. Everybody at some point has hurt somebody. Everybody has done something that they're ashamed of. Everybody has done things that you truly, truly believe they were a sin. Whatever that concept is for you. That made you feel like you were a sin, for example. It's not just the idea of sin that people have told you or preachers. But it's more, if you want to simplify that concept, a sin. And maybe this is the thing for the next podcast. What is a sin, right? That'll be something good to discuss. But, so what is a sin exactly? A sin is... When you do something that you feel wrong about, as easy as that. It can be anything that you feel that pull your soul a little bit to the darkness instead of pushing it to the light. That is a sin. Now, what can you do to repent for that sin? When you repent for a sin, it means also that you're going to recommit yourself to God, that you're going to fix it if you can, that you're going to ask for forgiveness if you can, and in those two things, it requires action. You cannot just say to God, forgive me, and not expect an action to rebalance that relationship. If you did something you truly, truly feel ashamed about, then you need to rectify it. How are you going to do it? That's up to you. Whatever you think your heart needs to do in order for you not to get over it or to forget it, but to make you feel happy again and to make the other person feel happy again. Remember, we're here to make others smile, right? So how can you make the other person smile? So that's why he's saying, it's going to be more rejoice to have one sinner who repents, truly repents, because that involves action, and he's repenting through talking to God, he's repenting to talking to the person or people that he offended or took from, and he's doing something to make amends for that. Over 99 righteous people who don't even think they did something bad because they don't care who they hurt, they don't care, they feel that they have done everything right. And being proud in that way, when you don't even acknowledge you have done something wrong, that is not going to open the gates of heaven for you. You need to think about, what have I done that has brought tears to other people? We often forget about that. You see, in your prayers, right? That's how you're going to find out. In those prayers, once you stop asking about the things that you want and saying thanks for the things that you were given, you need to figure it out and look into that mirror, that spiritual mirror, and figure it out 
What have you done that probably made somebody else feel bad about themselves? How many smiles have you destroyed? And what can you do to bring them back? It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're the head of the family or the youngest one. Have you hurt others? And if so, make amends. Bring a smile back to their face. And that in itself is repenting. And that in itself is going to be a moment of choice. It's going to be joyful. And that in itself is going to be a joyful moment for God. Because now you're becoming a better person. And then we have the parable of the lost coin. It says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her family and friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So he stresses this point, Jesus stresses this point so much. What can you do? You see, like, she lost the coin, right? She didn't just pray to get the coin back somehow, some way. This lady actually lighted up the lamp, swept the house, did actions to get the coin back. If we replace the word coin with smile, we can say, or suppose a woman has 10 people that she lives with and loses one, meaning, and she made the smile of one disappear. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully? Meaning, doesn't she do actions until she makes that other person smile? And when she makes the other person smile, she will celebrate that smile and rejoice. That's what it means. It's not a coin. It's the smiles in people. It's the good action. What have I done to lose the love of one person? What can I do to get that love back? It's easy to forget the people that were hurt. It's easy to think that if we just give them something material, they're going to forget about it. Who have you offended and who you need to work with to get their smile back? And would you be so humble to let somebody who has before disrespected you do what they need to do in order to make you smile again? Those sides, those two sides of that are hard to be in. And we find ourselves constantly being on either being the person that either lost a smile because of somebody else or we made somebody else stop smiling. So the last one that I'm going to talk about, again, this is in Luke. Now it's Luke 15. says the parable of the lost son. And Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the state. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off at the distant country, and squandered all his wealth and wild living. And then, after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be the one in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the food that were given to the pigs, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. And he decided to go back to his father. So, in the beginning, the two sons represent the two sides of the coin, right? Are you going to commit? Or what are you going to do with the things that you're given right now? Everything that you have, how are you going to be using that? The things that you have, not just materially, but spiritually, right? What are you going to do? How are you going to pay it forward? You can, for example, stay with the father like the other son did and try to work and fill with your commitment to your father and to his business every single day. It's a struggle. It's not as fun. You're not going to do anything while, but you're helping your father every single day. Or you can be like the other son 
who is going to grab everything, all the love, all the material, all the money, and is going to take it away and is going to live wild. But soon enough, if you live with no restriction, you're going to squander everything that you have. And when you squander everything that you have, for example, the love and support of others, the money that you were given, if you took away money from your from your family, from your mom, from your dad, if you stole money from a company, if you have abused somebody else's love and commitment to you, and you use that and you squander that, that is going to be very short-lived. And soon enough, you're going to be in need. Soon enough, you're going to be broke emotionally and financially and spiritually. And you're going to think, what can I do next? So your first thought is going to go back to the people that gave you everything. For example, if my friend comes, what am I going to do? If my best friend that stopped talking to me because of the podcast and because of my relationship with God, what is he going to do, right? You might say, you know what? I feel alone now. I don't feel like I'm doing anything with my life. I was happy when I was talking to my friend. So let me come back to him. We find ourselves with a lot of people from our past coming back to us because they have found that they were happier with us in their life. And this is what this story is teaching us. And then, but while he has still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. This is after he told his father, Hey, I know I walked away. I don't care. I'm starving to death. You can't forget that I'm your son. Just hire me as your servant. I really need food. I really need help. And that's why his father, he was a humble man, right? And he said, you know what? He repented again. We're talking about the commitment, the love and humbleness. And he said, you know what? He hurt me. He was disrespectful. He squandered half of the money that I gave him but he's still my son. And guess what? I, st I am still his father. And my commitment to him is to make sure to put a smile on that face. So he went back and embraced his son. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son remembered the one that stayed, right? When he came near the house, he heard a music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. And then one of the servants says, Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. So his brother was in the door right to complain. He's like, hey man, I committed myself to you for so long, yet you celebrate this person that came back that messed up everything that you had. And it's, uh, again, it's the example, the polar opposites. This son has had commitment his whole life for his father, and this other son, squander everything. Yet the father still says, I have a commitment to both my children and my duties to make them smile both. So I'm going to do whatever I can to make that make them smile again. You see, different commitments. And then he said his last words, he says, my son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And I think that's amazing. That is truly, truly, truly amazing. Because 
what Jesus is trying to tell us is that it doesn't matter what point you figured out that you need to give smiles back. It doesn't matter what point you figured out that you need to love back. The people, your tribe, that gave you this love are going to understand that. And they're going to still love you. The relationship might not be the same, but they're still going to love you. They're still going to try to make you feel whole. They're still going to try to make you feel or make you successful. And it's the same with your relationship with God. In this moment, do you truly believe that you are in light, that you're one of His children? How many times have you denied Him by your actions and even worse by your actual denials of Him? How many times have you criticized others and said, hey, those people that pray in the corner are bad, are crazy? How many other people have you hurt and take their smiles away? Still to this point, you can go back, ask for forgiveness. You can go back and try to put smile on their faces. It's not just going to happen at once. It's going to happen eventually. And you have to, in order to be able to be safe, you have to recommit yourself to being a good person, to acknowledge that you have made wrong things and made mistakes, and that you have to do things to repay for that, and, and to, you have to make things better for others. You're not going to get everything right, but you have to try. You have to show commitment to God. And then, as you move forward with your life, little by little, you will understand that it becomes easier. It becomes easier to be a good person because your heart is strong and your spirit is strong and you know God is committed to you and God knows that you're committed to Him. So therefore, nobody else can deter you from your destiny and from the kingdom of heaven. Understand that you will trade friendships. You might trade people that you love because they don't get you. They don't understand that now you want to be in the light, in the light needs time. You need time to be able to open your eyes like a newborn baby, to open your eyes and figure it out that, yeah, there's light at the end of the tunnel for me. It doesn't matter if you're 80 years old and you're just opening your eyes, or you're seven years old and you're just opening your eyes. It doesn't matter. At some point, you should be able to open your eyes before you die and be able to figure it out and do the actions that you need to do in order to be forgiven and to put the smiles on the wise on the people that you have destroyed or that you have saddened. You have to show commitment to that idea. You have to show commitment through the idea that you're going to give back what you need to give back in order to be holy and worthy of the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't matter how many bad things you have done. It doesn't matter if you don't think you're truly worth it. God wants you to be committed to Him. Because He's already committed to you since the day you were born. He's just looking at you, waiting for you. And I'm telling you right now, the very first step is to commit yourself to pray. You don't need to go out of your house. You don't need to give money to any congregation. You don't need to do anything but to close your eyes and think and try to match that frequency. You don't need anybody to get you. Just close your eyes. Try to tune in to this higher power that is God. And God will show you the way for you to go back and stop being lost and be found. Do this through commitment, the commitment of prayer, a commitment to you that you're going to love yourself, a commitment that from today you're going to start making amends for the people that have hurt you, that you're going to try to make amends for the people 
that you have hurt, that you have made their smile disappear. And the only way to start making these commitments is to lose your pride and be humble. So everything comes back little by little and it's going to be given to you little by little as you start understanding this, what it is needed from you to be done. So today we talked about commitment and my commitment to you is to pray, to have this podcast, to give you guys my love, to give you guys this time to speak from my heart and hopefully make you guys smile. That is my commitment and that is what I feel is my call. So with that said, thank you for listening. Thank you for opening your heart and your mind to these concepts of commitments and faith and listening to these stories. And I hope that I brought a smile to your face and that that smile is going to keep until we see each other on the next podcast. Thank you so much. This has been Amos, the praying man for the Rise Higher podcast. My voice is gone, but my commitment stays. Thank you so much. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. I want to say thank you and be blessed. God loves you and he wants you to pray. He wants you to commit yourself to him and he wants you to smile. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Rise Higher podcast with Amos, the praying man. We hope today's episode has inspired you to keep rising higher through faith. If you've been moved by our discussions and have a story to share, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at risehiremediallc at gmail.com to share your experiences and be part of our community. Producing this podcast is a labor of love, and we remain committed to keeping it free for all listeners. If you feel inclined to support us in spreading motivation through faith, consider becoming a member for $1 per month or making a donation through PayPal. Every contribution, big or small, helps us continue our mission of love. Remember, your faith can move mountains, and together we can inspire one another to reach new heights. Stay tuned for more episodes, and always remember to rise higher with Amos, the praying man. God bless you.